Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Give the Lord praise. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. In chapter 10, I'll read a, a verse. I'm not going to read the entire story. I'm going to read a verse and tell the story a little bit. Uh, but I encourage you to read this story. Um, fascinating story. I, I, think, I think all of the Bible is fascinating. I'm, I'm just so amazed at the gospel story and what God is trying to reveal to us through the word of God. I love it. I love God. I love his word. This, this is his love letter to us. Amen. So we, we really need to pay attention to God and his voice and, and what he's saying to us through the word. And so this morning I'm going to read from Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Amen. And when you have it, say, I'm ready. Oh, we even have it on the screen. Praise the Lord. God's word is everywhere. Amen. This is what it says. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, I know it's more. There's more there. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning that these words help me to put in, into context. Help me to, to, to tell the story where these words fit. Where did they fit in this moment, in this, in this moment in this young man's life? What did Mark see, Lord, when you had this look of love for this young man? I pray that you would speak to us and may these words tell us something about you, who you are, even to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people say, amen. 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 You know, the man who wrote this, this book is Mark, of course. You know, it's called the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, the gospel according to Mark, however your Bible may, may say it. It's this guy by the name of John Mark. John Mark, and he was uh, not one of the 12 disciples, believe it or not. He wasn't one of the 12, but he was always around, always hanging out, always near Jesus, very observant. He was the guy that, if you read through the book of, of Acts, that Paul and Peter had a fight about. Remember, there's a guy that, you know, uh, Paul didn't want John Mark to go with him anymore, and Peter said, no, you, you can come with us, and or Barnabas, uh, it was Barnabas, and they were arguing back and forth, and it was this guy they were arguing about. It was this guy who followed them wherever they were, always present, always there, always listening, always watching. This is the impression I get from John as well. John, the writer of the Gospel of John, just watching intently listening to every detail. When you read what he says, when you read the gospel, you, you could just imagine someone who is, who is there, you know, listening, watching, wanting to get everything that is said, everything that is happening. He doesn't want to miss a point. And that was Mark. As a devoted believer, he followed Jesus. Wasn't one of the twelve, but he was there. He was the first to write a gospel, believe it or not. Although in the order of the gospels, his wasn't writ, uh, placed first, but his was written first. Before Matthew wrote his, before Luke wrote his, before John wrote his, 
long before John. Matthew wrote a gospel. He paved a way. Let's tell the story of Jesus. Let me tell the world what I noticed about Jesus, what I saw in him, not just the things that he had to say, but when I watched him, when I saw him, I, my, my eyes beheld him. When I saw him, I want to tell you what I saw. And on this particular day, Mark was there. And he saw this young man running up to Jesus. He came running to Jesus as if he had a real desire uh, to, to, to change or maybe to, to have a question answered. He came running to him. Not only did he come running, the Bible says that he fell at his knees. If you were to follow this story from verse 17, that's what the Bible tells us. That's what Mark saw. This guy came running to Jesus and he fell on his knees as if his interest was so great in this thing that he was going to ask Jesus that whatever Jesus says, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run to him Fallen on my knees before him, somehow prioritizing his answer, his response to me. Whatever he says, man, he's the man. I'm going to listen to what he has to say to me. Willing, humble, and he fell upon his knees as if to say, man, Jesus, just tell me. Tell me whatever, whatever I need to hear. And Mark was close enough to hear this conversation. Mark was close enough to hear the question that the young man asked. He was close enough to hear how Jesus responded. But more importantly, he was close enough to watch Jesus as he responded. And this is what fascinates me. He, he noticed how Jesus looked at him. After this exchange of words, uh, you know, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to go to heaven, man. I, I, I want to go to heaven. And there are people like that, that really, really, really desire to go to heaven. Really, really desire to do the right thing. Really desire to follow God in every... There are some people who desire that. There are some people who urgently want to know what God's will is for their lives. Not too many people come. I know not too many people come to me asking that. Pastor Kevin, you know, do you know what I need to do? Uh, the only person I know that asked me is Mike. Brother Mike came to me the other day. You know what, man, I just want to hear God. You, do you, has God spoken anything to you about, you know, has he said anything? And, you know, he's the only person that came to me asking me. And I looked up and he, he even asked me, you know, if he could go to the rest, restroom that day, you know. <laughs> I, serious, I looked up and he was like, I, I thought he was doing the, the touchdown dance. My brother was like, so you score a touchdown? Oh, can I go to the restroom? You know, we're, we're so deep in the conversation because he wants to know God's direction, a, a word from the Lord. It was like this guy. And, and, and he comes, this guy came urgent, wanting to know, God, what do you have for me? And you would think that whatever Jesus says, whatever he says, this guy has the posture the, the attitude, the mindset, the humility, falling on his knees. Man, just say the word. Man, I'm there with you, Lord. Right? That's what you would think. But when Mark noticed Jesus at his response, he noticed how he looked at him. Because in that exchange of words, the man didn't respond the way you would think. 
Jesus, you know, you know, and after the exchange, and I want you to read the story. Because, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of, of, the, of the exchange. I may say some things about it, but it's, it's really this look that after this exchange, it became clear that he was not going to do what Jesus wanted him to do. But before Jesus said anything, he looked at him with a look of love. And Mark noticed that look. There was something about that look that Mark knew right away, man, he loves this guy. He loves this guy. This guy clearly is not willing to do what Jesus wants him to do. But he loves him. And he looks at him, not with disdain, not with, you know, judgment, not with, oh, man, look at this guy. Man, you're a ranker. Man, you're a, you're a flake. He didn't look at him that way. There was something in this look that Jesus had for this young man, something in his posture, something in the moment, the glance, his face captured it, and Mark saw it. Observant Mark, always watching, always learning. And he doesn't describe this look anywhere else in his gospel. You can look from the beginning of Mark to the very end in the, the great uh, miracle moments where Jesus miraculously changes lives. It never describes that he looked at that person with love. That this, this look is never described anywhere else, but observant Mark notices it here. There was something in his, in, in his look that gave it away. What does it look like to be looked upon with love? What does that look like? I saw it once, you know, when Debbie was like. <laughs> and then, that was the only time I saw it. And I was like, is she looking at me? And I looked. There was a guy named Ronnie standing behind me. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right? What does it look like to be looked upon with, with love? And how do, you, how do you love somebody with a look? How does that happen? Whatever that might look like, that is what Mark saw. Something about his gestures, his body language, his face, that when this guy, when, when he comes and he says, hey, this is, this is what you need to do to inherit eternal life. Have you kept the commandments? He goes, runs it down. I've done all that since I was, I was a boy. I've, I've done all that. I've done all that. And he just looked at him and loved him. What does that look like? That's what Mark saw. And that's what he wrote down. And I think it's significant. Because that look came after he tried to justify himself. It came after he realized that, you know what, man, he's asking me something I'm not willing to do. It came after, after he realized that, you know what, God, even though I've, I've done all this stuff, even, I've, even though I've put in all these years for the kingdom, I've served and I've done all these things, you mean there's something else i got to do? Something I'm not willing to do? That's when the look came. Jesus loved him. Didn't judge him. Didn't look at him with disgust. Didn't say, oh man, this guy, I'm not going to waste my time with this guy. It wasn't that kind of a look. It was the exact opposite, a look of love. And that's what Mark saw. In verse 19, Jesus told him, keep the commandments and you'll be all right. Keep the commandments. Don't murder anybody. 
Don't commit adultery. Don't steal or give false testimony or defraud anybody. He's running it down to him. You want to get to heaven? That was his question. That's what he ran to Jesus to, to, talk, to, to talk to him about. That's what he fell on his knees to hear. Keep the commandments. Man, don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Hello. You want to get to heaven? Honor your father and your mother. Hello. <laughs> to which this young man responded, man, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I've done all that. I've done it all. So does that mean I, I, I've made it? I, I, I can get to heaven? And, and it was here that Jesus looked at him with love, right on the heels of this guy's arrogant response. Right after he, he, he insisted that he had done everything God would require anybody to do to get to heaven. Right when he says that, he makes this arrogant response to Jesus. And his response to Jesus, as bold as it was, it's like, do you know how much time I put in for the kingdom? Since I was a boy, I've done all these things. If that's it, man, I'm good. You know how many years I've served the Lord? I've done it all, Jesus. I've done everything. I've done all that. If there's nothing else, and I'm good. I'm good, right? Because that's what he was after. Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus simply looked at him with love and said, man, but you missed a spot. There's something you left out. And he says this with a loving look. He, he, you know, he says this with compassion, even though you've kept the commandments. And you're not a murderer, and you're not an adulterer, or you're not a thief. You came up a little short. You're still a little short, but you've been doing this since you were a kid. But there's something else that I'm looking for. There's something else God wants from you. That's all that is good, and, and thank you for your, what you've done. But there's something else. And he's saying this in love. Not with aggression, not with hostility, with love. And this may have been what stood out to Mark, that here is this guy, arrogant. Man, I, I've, I've done all that. I'm good, I, right? I'm, I've done it since I was a boy. And, and maybe it was the absence of Jesus accusing him. Maybe it was the absence of throwing guilt on him, that, that the guilt wasn't there, that, that there was no accusation, there was no ridicule of this guy's life. Remember, Mark is watching this conversation. It's like back and forth. He's looking at this guy, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's looking at this guy, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's watching, and he's observing. He's taking it all in. And when the conversation reaches this point, there's something in Jesus' look, something in his posture, his glance that, that says, man, I, I love this guy. I love this guy. And so he has to write it down. In spite of his lack of understanding, in spite of what he thinks he might be doing that's right or, or good, even though he sees himself much further along than he actually is, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And I'm sure that this young man noticed that look as well. I'm sure he noticed it. He had to have noticed it. And he may have even, when he sees Jesus looking at him, whatever that look may have looked like, I would try to imitate it for you, but I might get it wrong, you know. Because <laughs> I don't know how it looked. 
<laughs> you do it first, right now. So whatever it may have been, I'm sure this guy saw it. And he may have interpreted it as a look of approval. You know, as Jesus is looking down at him, <laughs> I was going to try saying it all. As Jesus was looking at him, he may have thought, man, this is a look of approval. This is a look of agreement. He agrees with me that I'm okay. I'm good. I'm in. I, I, I'm, I'm making it to heaven. He, he's got this look, and he may have been expecting, well done, good and faithful servant. Good job. You, 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 you finished. You're right, man. You've kept the faith, man. Come on in. You're, you're, you're good. You don't have to worry about anything else. He may have interpreted that like that. The look of love may have fooled him into thinking that Jesus would overlook the thing that's necessary, the thing that we're not willing to do, the one thing. All the other stuff is good. But we may be fooled into thinking that he's okay with the other stuff because he loves me, because he loves me, that I'll be all right. But Jesus says no. There's one thing left undone in your life. And he tells him, go sell your possessions, everything you have, and give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. That's pretty, that's pretty radical. That's pretty radical. And you would think that this young man would be grateful. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I came for. Came for some advice fell on my knees in front of you, begged you, ran to you. This is what I was after. I wanted you to tell me the truth. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Thank you. My, my selfishness created a blind spot in my life. I needed to hear that. I needed you to tell me what I needed to do. I should have realized that I can't really get into heaven if, I, if I'm not concerned about other people. I should have known that. Thank you, Jesus. I should have realized that all of my blessings come from you in the first place. That even if I give everything away, you can replace it. You're the one who gave it to me. And if this is your desire for my life, and this is what it costs me to get into heaven, man, I'm willing to do it. But that's not how he responded. Jesus asked him to do the one thing he was unwilling to do. Share your success with others. Share your wealth with others. The one thing you lack is a heart of service, a lack of compassion for others, a lack of concern for those who have not made it as well as you've made it. Share with them. You didn't have time for anybody else. You may have stepped on other people to get what you've got. Share your life with other people. So Jesus unapologetically calls him to give it all up. Surrender it, man. Sacrifice it. Take everything you have and give it away. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that kind of a response? Everything you have. You've done everything else God wants you to do, but you've missed this one thing. This is the thing that you're asking me to tell you about. Yes, you're a good person. Yes, you're a great person. Yes, you've served God. Yes, you've kept my commandments, but you missed a spot. The one thing that you need to do, the one thing you need to fix, is to serve somebody. Serve somebody else. Give to somebody. Help somebody. Walk with somebody. Be a friend to somebody. Make somebody else's day a little more pleasant. Help somebody. Help a neighbor. Go look for the person that is not doing as well as you are 
and make their life a little better. Share yourself with others. And the whole, all of eternity will change for you. What you're looking for, you will find. In the eyes of the Lord, this man had become a hoarder of blessings. Out of all the demands and commandments, this was the one thing he missed. This was the only thing he missed. And, and, and the one thing Jesus required of him was the very thing he was unwilling to do. And that might be like me or, or you this morning. There may be some of us just like him. We've done everything you would imagine required of you. Everything. Everything you think is necessary. But Jesus' words to you and I may be just the same as they were to this young man. Man, you've done good, but you've, can't, you, you've come up a little short. It's not all here. Where's the rest of it? Where's, where's the rest? You, you missed a spot. There's one thing more you need to do. One thing you lack. And it's not in an angry tone, remember? This is the one thing he noticed. It's not with disappointment, but with a look of love. All the while, Jesus loving us into being better. Loving us into standing a little taller. Loving us into serving somebody else. Loving us to victory. Loving us to evangelism and mission and worship and everything else he's called us to do. Loving us. In fact, if people could only see the way he looked upon this man, if only people could see the way he looks upon you right now, man, people would say, man, this, Jesus loves this guy. How in the world could he love Ben so much, right? Francis doesn't even love Ben that much, man. How in the world does Jesus love him so much, right? It's an unmistakable look. It's a look of love. It, it says, it's a look that says, I'm patient with you. If you can imagine this look, I'm patient with you. I love you. And in spite of who you are right this very moment, in spite of where you are, I know how hard you tried. I know your ups and downs. But in spite of that, in spite of how you've fallen short, it's in spite of all the excuses we give as to why we're not where we should be, doing what we should. Man, I love you. I love you. I know it's been hard, but you missed a spot, and I require that of you. That's heavy. You may not have the wealth that this young man had, but perhaps you have a wealth of experience. Maybe you have a wealth of gifts, of talent, of wisdom, or time, or, or maybe friendship. Maybe you're a great friend. That, man, somebody just needs your friendship, the, your honesty. And, and it's, it's, this guy had wealth, but he's not willing to share it. What, what do you have that God may be requiring of you? And Jesus is saying, man, give some of that away. Everything else is good, but can you give some of that away? Can you serve somebody? Can you hang out with somebody Befriend somebody, join a ministry maybe. This young man was rich, but his, his wealth didn't provide the security he was looking for. He's looking for eternal security. Man, I'm wealthy, but you know what? All this wealth, th this is good, but I'm looking for something more. This is why he ran to Jesus in, in the first place. I, it, it doesn't satisfy what I need. And so Jesus tells him, this is all you got to do. 
This is all you, and this shows you that, man, you, could, you, could be, you can come to the right person. You can ask him the, the right question. You can get the right response, the right, right answer, and Jesus gave him the right answer. But still, with all of that, make the wrong decision. The Bible says he went away sad. Because that's not what he was expecting Jesus to hear. He wasn't expecting him to hear that. Maybe he was, or to say that, maybe he was expecting Jesus to say, you know what, you're good, man. Uh, go and, and continue what you've been doing. You're good. But his question to him is, are you serving others? And, and that's our focus for this month, is to grow in our service, to grow in, in the sharing of ourselves with other people to grow as leaders, to grow as ministers, to grow as those who care for other people. That was the one thing, the only thing Jesus was asking of this young man, and he was not willing. Let me, sh before we close, I, I just want to read the remainder of this story. Let me read from, from 22 on at, to the end of this story. And, and I want you to keep in mind his original question, his original question, what must I do to get to heaven, that will, to, for etern, to, to have eternal life? Look at verse 22. At this, this man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But the disciples, or the disciples were amazed at, this, at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus responded, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields or me, or, or for me, I'm sorry, or me, for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come the very thing this guy was looking for eternal life eternal life the very key but he was gone <laughs> he was gone by the time Jesus made the altar call his mind was gone his heart was gone he didn't hear the words he needed to hear. Jesus says, man, if you give all that away in this life, I can give you a hundred times that. And in the life to come, eternal life. The very thing you're looking for. The very thing you're asking for. But many people, when they don't hear what they expect to hear, they leave before they have the opportunity to get their answer. What is God asking of you this morning? What is he required of you? Not all the good things you've done. You've done some great things. What is the one thing, that last thing, the thing that he looks upon you with love that says, you know, man, 
this one thing. Are you willing to give this to me? Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. So grateful to Mark to be as observant as he was, focused as he was to capture what he saw in this story. The Bible says here in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Father God, I pray this morning that you would help us to see how these words define you more clearly for us. That in the areas where we lack, your look for us does not, your look upon us does not diminish. Your look upon us does not change to anger, to disappointment, to a, a disregard, but your, your look upon us increases in love. You love us. You love us. You, you desire to embrace us. That's why you tell us the truth, that this is what you lack. And I pray, Father, that we be willing to hear you, to hear what you're saying to us, that we stay long enough to allow your words to change us, that we stick around and walk with you a little further along the road, that we would listen to the conversation a little longer, that even in our, our dismay and even in our, uh, our feeling of, 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 of unwillingness to follow you, that we would walk with you a little further, that we would hear the answer that we need to hear. So I pray this morning, Father, for us, help us to hear your voice right here at this altar, to hear the voice of the living God, what it is you're calling for us to give to you. Father God, I pray that we would hear you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If God has spoken to you, we're going to open the altars. And I, and I want to say, there may be somebody here, somebody here this morning. The one thing, the first thing that we ought to be willing to give to God is our heart. To give our heart to Him. To surrender to Him and say, God, out of all the things that I could give, my service and my talents, I want to give you my heart. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come. Just come. Come to the altar. If God has spoken to you, come to the altar. If there's something that you know, Lord God, I, I, I know that there are there's more that you're calling of me, more that you desire of me, more that you want me to give, more that you want me to surrender. Today is a day of surrender. Today is a day of salvation. Why don't you come this morning? Amen.